Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, uh, like I said, we're down to our final hour. We're going to start at talking some baseball. We're a solid uh, almost three weeks into the season now. And there's a little separation at the top, the L.A. Dodgers. Oh, and there's a little separation at the bottom. Uh, A little surprising that that's the case with the New York Yankees. Uh, We'll get back to the baseball stuff in uh, just a bit, but we're going to get some NBA stuff in here. We started the show tonight talking about the second greatest shooter of all time. I'm going to put that question to my next guest, Mr. Colin Ward-Henninger from CBSSports.com. Colin, in your estimation, who's the second greatest shooter in the history of the NBA? The second greatest shooter? Um, I would have to say Clay Thompson because Steph Curry is the number one best shooter of all time. <laughs> I don't know if you have a different list. No, that's exactly what I was getting at. That what uh, Steph Curry Steph Curry was the greatest shooter long before this past couple of weeks. But what he's done the last couple of weeks is just uh, off the charts. If there was any doubt, he waylaid them. Uh, it's unbelievable. You think Clay's number two, huh? I mean, you know, I am biased being out here in the Bay Area, and I've gotten to witness Clay's exploits firsthand. You know, I, I can't really go back and speak to, you know, Larry Bird and guys like that because I wasn't really around for it. But, um, I mean, what Clay is capable of doing, I mean, I think some people, you know, actually I talked to Alvin, Alvin Gentry a couple of years ago, and he said that he thinks as a pure shooter that Clay Thompson is actually better than Steph Curry. Now what Curry's able to do with his off-ball movement and the way he can pull up, off the dribble is obviously quite different, but he said if there's one shot wide open, no defense, Clay Thompson versus Steph Curry, he's picking Clay Thompson. So I'm pretty comfortable putting him in number two. And I think that's a fair estimation. Unfortunately, you don't always get wide open, uh, no questions asked, form is everything, knocking it down. Shots in the NBA, you got to be able to make one guys in your face. And, yes, I would suggest that uh, Mr. Curry has perfected that art more than anyone else who's ever come before him. Um, I know they're going to be in a dogfight for a playoff spot, probably in the play-in round. Um, that's where they sit right now. 
the Warriors aren't going to be able to get hot enough over the last couple weeks of the season to actually get Steph Curry into MVP consideration, are they? No, I don't think so at this point. Um, you know, we, we've seen this type of thing with uh, a guy like Damian Lillard who was garnering a lot of heat uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago for the MVP. It was the same argument. It's like, yeah, they're, they're overperforming, but that doesn't necessarily put him in the MVP race. And I think that's going to be the same for Steph Curry. Uh, you know, this team's a game under 500 right now. They're probably playing their best basketball of the season uh, lately. But as you mentioned, they're, they're still not going to be probably outside of the playing round. And at that point, how can you really give the MVP to a team that finishes ninth or 10th in the Western Conference? But I'll tell you, if they do end up in playing uh, position, that's a dangerous opponent. If I'm a, a seven or eight seed, I certainly don't want a one game playing a playoff situation against Stephen Curry when you know he can go for 55 or 60 and drop 12 threes on any given night. So, uh, you know, do the Warriors want to be higher up in the stands? Of course they do. But do they like their chances in a, in a win in advance type situation? You, you think they, they probably do having that guy on their team. Colin, don't know if you're a wagering type of guy, but I know you're smart enough and understand basketball enough and uh, you work for a living, so you understand money and value and the like. I just saw these numbers before the show started tonight. Uh, There are gambling websites you can go to anywhere in the country. A lot of states have them legalized now, so you can get your action in, in almost anywhere these days. FanDuel is the one that I just happened to see before the show started. Here are the odds to win the championship. I'm going to give you the literal $100 to bet on any of the teams you want. Legit chance to win. Your goal is to win and to make money. Not lose the 100 but turn the 100 into something else. But there's more value in some teams than others. So if I gave you the theoretical 100, you could get 220 back with the Nets. They are the favorite for 100. Lakers, 350 for 100. Clippers, 700 for 100. Jazz, same thing, 7 to 1. Bucks, 750 for 100. The Sixers, 1,200 for 100, 12 to 1. The Suns, 2,400 for 100. 30 to 1 on the Nuggets, you get $3,000 for 100. If I just gave you a hypothetical $100 to invest and say, here, have fun with this, who knows what you put it on? Well, you know, you can Venmo me that $100. I'll give you my information after the show. But, uh, I mean, out of that list, you know, uh, last week I definitely would have said the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, their odds would have been a, a little bit better uh, before the Jamal Murray injury. But now that they're kind of, you know, their playoff ceiling has been limited, I'm going to have to go with the Phoenix Suns. And, and they're a team that's really being slept on this season. They were very close to, to pulling into a tie with the Utah Jazz for the best record in the NBA before they kind of laid an egg against the Spurs. But – I mean, if you look at, at, I know this is an inexperienced team, and that's generally where the skepticism comes from. Uh, outside of Chris Paul, they don't have a lot of players that have been, played in, in big playoff games. You know, Jay Crowder's there as well. Um, but they really have everything you need. They play defense. They have two absolute alpha guards in Devin Booker and Chris Paul, uh, which is what you need in the playoffs. They have a, a big man who can rebound and has done a much better job defending the rim this year in DeAndre Ayton. And then they just kind of have these – interchangeable six 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 seven six eight pieces who are long and versatile and can hit threes so uh you know a lot of people are sleeping on the suns and i think you know i'm not going to say that that they're going to win the nba championship 
But looking at that list of odds and seeing how much you could win from a bet on the Phoenix Suns, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world, particularly with the injury situation going on with the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers. We don't know what's going to happen with them. So uh, I think the Suns would be good value there. 24 to 1 is outrageous value. You and I agree on that. Um, your thoughts on Monty Williams as a coach? I really liked him when he was in uh, New Orleans. I know he never uh, really got the team anywhere as far as postseason action went, but I thought it was more because of his roster than his coaching. I was so glad when he got a check second chance. How good a coach do you think Monty Williams is? Oh, yeah, he's, he's up towards the top of the list. And he was a guy who was obviously a hot commodity when he, when he was available. Uh, the, the Lakers had some interest in him, and, and he actually chose the Phoenix Suns, by all reports, over the Los Angeles Lakers. And he, he liked that young roster. And this is obviously before they got Chris Paul. But you saw what he was able to do with that team, uh, get them playing defense, which is the biggest thing that you need to do if you're going to be successful in the NBA, but also kind of help bring Devin Booker along. I remember talking to him. This was early last season, so like seven years ago, whenever that was. Uh, he was talking about Devin Booker, and he said, you know, look, he might not be the best defender in the league, but this is a guy who every single game will say, hey, let me guard the best player on the other team. And he was talking about how important that is for a young team to see your leader just take the initiative, want to be that guy, even if he wasn't quite there physically as a defender. So obviously the addition to Chris Paul is just uh, takes this team to another level. But Monty Williams laid the foundation for that trade uh, being successful by what he did with this team and seeing what they did in the bubble. They were already building momentum before they got Paul. And now I think they're legit, uh, you know, title contender with, with Monty Williams as coach and Chris Paul at the helm. We know the Lakers aren't the Lakers when LeBron and Anthony Davis are out of that lineup. They've actually gotten a couple of impressive wins with their supporting staff, but they've also laid some eggs on LeBron and, and AED. Do the Lakers care where they finish in the standings? Is the only thing that the Lakers care about making sure their two superstars are 100% when the postseason gets underway? Yeah, that's priority number one, obviously. They're not going to do anything to jeopardize the health of Anthony Davis and LeBron James if it means, you know, getting a, a slightly higher seed. Uh, obviously, if you talk to them, I'm sure they would tell you they'd like to avoid that play-in scenario just because you never know what's going to happen in, in a single elimination or even a double elimination scenario. Um, but look, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. They're the defending champions. They have the best defense in the league. They've been uh, tremendous defensively, even without those two on the court. I think that they think that if they get those guys, they don't care when they play the Clippers. They don't care when they play the Jazz. Uh, they're going to have to beat them eventually to get to the NBA Finals, and I'm sure they have all the confidence in the world there. So it really becomes a question of, you know, they have some pieces now with Drummond and uh, incorporating their guard rotation, and they need to see that with LeBron and Anthony Davis back on the court just to kind of work out the kinks before they hit the playoffs. Because, I mean, if they are in one of those lower seeds, you know, uh, the, the sixth seed, they might be playing the Clippers in the first round or the Suns. Uh, if they do slip into the, the playing game, they might be playing, you know, the Jazz in the first round. So uh, they, I, I think it just takes away a little bit of their leeway in terms of preparing for the postseason. Um, but, you know, this is a championship team, championship pedigree, all that talk. And they have LeBron James, who, you know, was in the MVP conversation, maybe the front runner before he went down with injury. So uh, I don't think anybody's too worried about the Lakers, even if they drop in the standings a little bit. I do want to get back into the MVP conversation with you, but let's table that for a second. You talked about dropping into that uh, play-in scenario for teams in both the Eastern and the Western Conference. And, yeah, if LeBron's going to be out long enough, 
the Lakers right now are still well ensconced and not having to worry about that, but and they lose four of their next five, and we'll certainly be having that conversation. The East, to me, is even more fascinating because you've got a couple of teams that have actually played damn good ball over the last several weeks. The Hawks are 8-2 and two in their last 10. The Celtics are 8-2 and two in their last 10. The Knicks have won six in a row, and they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They currently hold down the 4-5-6. Miami, who is in the NBA Finals and got a much-needed come-from-behind win to stop a losing streak of their own tonight, are the team outside at the seventh spot right now. Can Atlanta, Boston, New York, we know two of three are going to hold on and not have to play in that play-in round. If you believe Miami is the team outside looking in, Charlotte's handicapped. I don't think they can make that kind of run. Miami is going to take a run at those three teams. Which one is most likely to fall if the Heat get hot enough? Yeah, I think it's probably the Knicks, and that's just because of their offense. I know they're they're on a tremendous run right now, but they have to do so much defensively every single night. And like, give them credit; they've done it all year. Um, but if you look at a team like Miami, and, and Victor Oladipo's been out, I think um, if he does come back and kind of incorporates himself into that lineup, you're going to see a much different Miami Heat team. Um, but you know, the Hawks, I think, are for real. They've they've got uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich playing tremendously right now. Uh, Nate McMillan has really freed him up offensively to do a lot more. You see a lot of these games. Trey Young isn't having these, you know, 35, 40-point games. He's able to be more of a facilitator, pick up assists, and kind of take over and pick his spot. So I really like what that team's done. They've Defensively, Clint Capella has just been an absolute monster. He averaged 20 points and 20 rebounds this week, which is just unheard of. Uh, so I really do like Atlanta. Uh, Boston, obviously, is playing really well right now. Um, I think as they're getting healthy and as Fournier gets back in the mix over there, they're going to be good. So, you know, I, I think the Knicks are kind of not by no fault of their own, kind of the odd team out there in that mix. But look, if, if you're in the Eastern Conference, uh, I think that one seed is very important because those top three, the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks, have proven themselves to be head and shoulders above the rest. So if you can avoid playing one of those teams in the second round and, and instead you end up with, you know, the Hawks or the Celtics or the Heat or whoever it is, uh, I think that's going to be a big advantage for whoever gets that number one seed. The Sixers got uh, a couple of legs up over the last few days. They won the mano a mano showdown between them and the Nets. So they now not only uh, moved the game ahead, they have the tiebreaker because it's head-to-head, and they took two out of three in the season series this year. Plus, Nets dropped a game today with KD being out, so it's up to a, a game and a half. Sixers in the catbird seat to have that all-important number one seed in your eyes? Yeah, it seems like it, especially if Joel Embiid can stay healthy. You know, it took him, what, uh, a half to get back to his old uh, MVP status after coming back from that kind of scary knee injury. So um, I I think they've just got all the pieces. And, you know, you worry about them offensively in the playoffs, but in terms of a regular season team, the way that they play defense and having a guy like Embiid, uh, you know, combined with the Nets injury problems that they're facing, they just can't seem to get James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving on the court at the same time. So combine all that. And I think the Sixers have, you know, kind of the inside track for that number one seed. Speaking of the Sixers in the playoffs, last couple of times they've been in three years running after they got through the process and built enough to actually make the playoffs. They've been able to score first round wins, but not second round wins. Teams have been able to come up with an answer for Ben Simmons, that he becomes a non-factor in the playoffs against 
better defensive teams that they take him out of his game and his ability to create. We know he's not going to take jump shots, so they drop off and uh, keep him from getting to the rim. And it hasn't necessarily been uh, Ben Simmons to the rescue with his ability to make other players around him better. But they do have better shooters this year than they probably ever had before. J.J. Redick used to be able to throw it up, but not as good as uh, Seth Curry and not as good as Danny Green. Uh, Even if Ben Simmons becomes compromised in the postseason, do they have enough offense or is Embiid going to have to go for 45? Well, I think Embiid is going to have to be a monster. I don't know if it's going to have to be 45, but that's going to be the bulk of their offense. And, I mean, as you've mentioned, Ben Simmons, he has not taken a step forward offensively this season. He's a tremendous defender. He's great in transition. Uh, He's pretty good at setting up his teammates, but he's still basically the same offensive player, and they're going to run into the same issues in the playoffs where teams are sagging off him or avoiding him. Um, And they don't want him clogging up the lane in the dunker spot there. That was Brett Brown's big thing, right? We've got to have Ben Simmons in the dunker spot. Doc Rivers has gone away from that, and it's been a much uh, wider open, uh, much better offense for the Sixers this year. So really it's going to come down to Tobias Harris and what he's capable of doing. He's been kind of commanding that second unit when when Joel Embiid is off the floor for a lot of the season. And I think that's going to have to continue where, you know, those minutes that Embiid's off the court, traditionally the 76ers get crushed in those minutes, particularly in the playoffs. So if Tobias Harris, who's, who's had a tremendous season, uh, can continue that production, I think that that is what's going to be the difference, along with, as you mentioned, the, the extra space and shooting provided by Seth Curry and Danny Green. Luka Doncic was on the record. We're talking to our, our buddy Cohen Ward-Henninger from CBSSports.com about the NBA. Um, Doncic was on the record the other day. Doesn't like the NBA's playoff setup this year with play-in action. Only the top six teams guaranteed to be in. Uh, seven's got to play eight. eight uh, nine plays ten. Loser plays the winner of nine ten. Um, right now, the Mavs are in that play-in uh, scenario. They wouldn't have a playoff spot. Uh, I get it that if you're used to finishing seventh, you are a lock for a seven-game series thereafter. That's no longer the case. NBA changed these rules after having a a somewhat similar play-in last year in the bubble, but that was a whole different scenario. Do you like the setup they have now? It adds two more teams, but it does kind of penalize teams that are at the bottom of conferences as far as playoff uh, availability is uh, in their case, I, I'm kind of split on this. I see where uh, a guy like Luca's coming from, but you knew the rules coming into the season. Very simple. Get the six, and you don't have to sweat this. Do you like the plan that they laid out, and do you think it's here to stay? I think overall I do like it, and it just creates some excitement. So you have to look at this in a historical context, right? Historically, the seven and eight seeds in the NBA have essentially no chance of winning that first round series. So you want to create some drama. You want to create some excitement. The problem is a team like the Mavericks, uh, because the West is so good this year, find themselves in the seventh spot and in the play in. And that's a team that could actually, you know, make some noise, if not upset their first round opponents. So I see where they're coming from saying, you know, I don't want our season to hinge on one game or two games. And we have a, a real shot to pull off an upset in the first round. But if you look at so like the Eastern Conference, you've got, you know, Charlotte, Indiana, the Bulls, these sub-500 teams who are getting into the play-in. And I'm sure they'd be ecstatic to just have the chance to play uh, in the play-in scenario. And they have, you know, essentially no chance of beating the number one and number two seeds. So uh, I definitely see it from both sides. But I think, you know, the owners voted on this. Mark Cuban came out and said, yeah, I, I support Luca. I, I think this is unfair. 
but he voted for it. And, and essentially, I think everyone's a little concerned just about this season in particular, how it's been really disjointed, how people have been out. Uh, it's been a slog with all the testing and everything like that. So I think after a long, arduous regular season, these people want their playoff position. But I think moving forward for the NBA, it's going to be very exciting. Those uh, you know, single elimination games are always fun. It's something that the NBA really lacks. Uh, in, in any situation outside of the play. And so uh, I do think it'll be here to stay. And I think just the, the situation with the, so many good teams in the West is really what's causing the, the issue this year. Specific team question. You probably don't get questions about this team often, nor should you, but I have an individual interest in it. So that's why I'm asking. Indiana right now is ninth in the East, which means they'd be in the 9-10 game, and they are a couple of games behind Charlotte for eight, a couple of games ahead of Chicago for 10. So uh, they're pretty locked in at number nine. A really awful, a really great week could swing that, but I don't know that the Pacers are capable of either one of those two. I picked them last year to beat Miami in the first round of the playoffs in a bubble, and they got swept out. Couldn't have been more wrong. I picked them to be a team that wasn't going to have to play in the play-in games this year. They'd be a top-six team in the Eastern Conference. That's not looking very likely. They've got some really talented players, but they're sitting here at 26 and 30, and I'm not sure I understand why. What's wrong with the Pacers? Well, you know, first things first, they've had some injury issues. Um, T.J. Warren's been out all year. He was a a huge player for them in the bubble uh, and in the playoffs last year. Um, he, he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. So that's a big offensive weapon that they're missing. Um, Karis LeVert obviously came over and he's played well, but it's going to take him a while to kind of get in the mix there. Um, really what it comes down to is without what Victor Oladipo used to be, they don't have a perimeter go-to score in the clutch. Now they hope that that's going to be LeVert, but Malcolm Brogdon, a great regular season player, uh, isn't quite going to be that guy in the final minutes. Demonis Sabonis, as great as he is, uh, isn't a guy you can just kind of give the ball and say, hey, go get us a bucket. So uh, that was Warren that it could be Levert, but as of right now, they really don't have that guy, which makes them, you know, essentially with a mediocre team. I think they're 16th in the league in offense, 16th in the league in defense. They're just right <laughs> in the center line. So uh, I think unless Warren comes back, Levert takes that step forward. Uh, they've improved offensively this year, but, you know, who hasn't uh, under their new coach? Um, but really what they need is going to be uh, solidifying that defense with Miles Turner coming back healthy and also uh, finding a go-to guy on offense, which is obviously easier said than done. All right, something that I will keep my eye on because I think you and I have talked about this. I wasn't a big fan of tanking with the 76ers a couple of years ago. I understand the whole rebuild concept, and you got to take a step backwards, take a step forward, but when you do it over years and you ask your fan base to watch a bad basketball team for years, not a year, multiple years, four in the Sixers' case, I just think is unfair. But on a one-year basis, I can get it. We got some bad teams in the NBA this year with some bad records. Um, don't know that there's a Zion Williamson coming out in this year's draft, but you'd always rather have the first pick than the sixth pick if you got into the lottery. Who's best suited to tank the end of this season from here on out? Man, there is a lot of competition here. I mean, you're seeing every <laughs> single night on the injury report, so-and-so out with rest, so-and-so uh, phantom calf injury, so-and-so a shoulder injury. So, I mean, you're looking at teams like the Pistons, the Magic. Uh, Cleveland actually seems like they're trying to get into that play-in, so I would rule them out. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder have just been do- doing a, a, an impressive tank job. They've been trying to tank all year, 
but they were too good. So Shea Gildas Alexander's been out. They've been resting guys like Lou Dort and uh, Alexei Pokushevsky uh, just to make sure they lose. Uh, and of course, the Rockets are, are headed in that direction as well. So uh, you mentioned there's no Zion Williamson, but uh, Cade Cunningham. It could be a transcendent player. He, you know, has drawn comparisons to Luka Doncic. Obviously, hasn't had the amateur success that Luka did. But again, a six-eight powerful big guard, not going to blow you away with athleticism, but just kind of does everything right. And I think the reason so many teams are tanking this year is because at the top of the draft, there are a few guys there who you can grab. So if you miss out on Cunningham, you can get a guy like Evan Mobley, a big center out of USC, mobile, uh, stretchy, kind of bam out of bio shades. You can get a guy like Jalen Suggs, a proven college winner, uh, who's going to be a tremendous NBA guard, or, or the, the G League guys, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's all the more incentive for teams who are not headed towards the playoffs to tank this year because at the top of the draft, even if you miss out on that number one selection, you're still going to end up with a guy who could potentially be a franchise player down the road. Note to self, make sure you get Colin Ward-Henninger on the week before the draft because you gave us a good little rundown right there that will ask you to go even more in-depth when we get there. But we got to get through the rest of the NBA season. We will be calling on you to help us do just that. Colin, appreciate you hopping on board tonight. Thanks, bud. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.